0: This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. Just like a head-on car accident. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. And you can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at
1: cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's the Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg Mackling with Doug Brown. We're going to talk about your Winnipeg Blue Bombers and their big 30-3 victory over the Edmonton Eskimos Saturday night up in Edmonton at, did you know it's called the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium? I know some of you did. We'll talk about that dominating performance by the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense, incredible work by special teams, and we'll ask the question, is the offense doing enough to support the other aspects of this team, what's the difference between seven and seven and six and eight? The Blue bombers will look to go eight and seven as they face off against the Red blacks this coming Friday night in the nation's capital. We'll sort all that out and much, much more on the Blue Bomber podcast. We want to thank you for downloading, sharing, and of course, subscribing and reviewing the Blue Bomber podcast. The Blue Bomber Podcast is available wherever you get quality podcasts, iTunes, Apple Music, you name it, they've got it. Without further ado, let's get down to business. How about that defense? I don't know the last time
0: I saw the Winnipeg Blue Bombers dominate like that. Maybe you can tell me. I do not know. I have no idea. Just nobody. You just don't walk into Commonwealth Stadium and do that to the Edmonton Eskimo. So it's just unheard of. It's uh, and that's what makes it so memorable, so impressive. And out of nowhere, I mean, the defense has been playing much better of late. Uh, they've certainly been acquitting themselves well. But three points, Mike Riley. You know, the guy who has three hundred yard games like like you eat peanuts. You know, just something you do naturally and uh, just out of habit. And he was just, you know. Granted, I do think he's injured. I do think he's limited. Um, I saw them working on his shoulder. His his throws didn't look like what they were. Obviously, a couple of them hung up there and got exploited big time. He got baited by these guys. But uh, yeah, he was just he was just defeated. He was destroyed. The defense was so good. I was talking to Bob about it in the postgame game show you know to describe them we're like they're performing like a singular entity now not just hey the rush is up there and and the coverage is back there and the fill on the run is that no they're now one singular group and uh, they're doing everything better it's funny a lot of the reaction from this game has been like You know they're so aggressive. They're blitzing. They're finally blitzing. They've always actually been a blitzing team. The difference that I'm noticing right now is they're blitzing more effectively now. Okay, Um, they're getting home now, right? It's very, you know, you can be the best designer of blitzes and and schemes for overloading and getting a free rusher. You can drop some stuff that would, you know, embarrass Bill Belichick, okay? But unless your team is a good blitzing team and the timing is there and they know how to hit things and they know, you know, that you're just running to, like it, it's funny. When you blitz, you're not even supposed to pass rush. This is just running in your assigned hole or gap. Just go because everything is angles and you just everyone's got to be if you hit it all at the same time then things work so this team has always had a blitzing package and they've always put it out there but they just always haven't been that good at it and I think we saw against Rally with seven turnovers and four sacks that uh you know They were getting home. They were getting pressure with and without the the rush. Uh, They they were reading, reacting. You talk about driving on the ball when you're a guy in the secondary and understanding what's unfolding in front of you, making a break on the football. The guys were just uh, tremendous doing that in this game. All those reps maybe are, are paying off, but... You know, once again, I'd like them to repeat the performance, right? I'd like them to keep on executing at a at a really high level, and get better doing that once again, will it does it look like that every week? I don't know, but forget the stats part of it. Let's see growth, let's see improved physicality and communication and um, execution. Let's see improved execution on a weekly basis. and then, you know the wins should happen schemes are one thing execution is a whole other yeah yeah exactly and uh, they're at another level in this game i mean it was it was crazy to watch because it was uncharacteristically cold weather right uh for for this it being september normally the game's not you know and it was an interesting snippet for us we're like hey this is kind of what playoff football looks like see what kind of performance we get from the palmers and wow you know you gotta hope that playoff conditions are exactly like that because they were outstanding granted the offense didn't have their day but that's just it when you play that well in one phase of your football team like we saw from the defense no matter what else you do right special teams obviously chipped in in a big big way with that pump block uh even though a lot of times that's your defense out there right and uh that was that was tremendous and the defense had their best game obviously within the last multiple number of years, but both offenses uh, certainly had uh, uh, their struggles in their their workout firm and and, and issues. obviously the the bigger problem, you know, Winnipeg wins that battle because they only turned the ball over once, right? And all the other times that Edmonton got got forced into. But Edmonton's defense was full. That was considered a vulnerability going into that game. How their defense, we were like, wow, people are taking advantage of them left, right, and center, and yards and points and everything. Super vulnerable, but it just wasn't there. It was a defensive struggle, and obviously the Bombers won that battle, hands down. You know, I like to say it's an offensive struggle because it was the offenses that
1: were struggling on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So we're going to talk about Chris Randall, and we'll get into to the Blue Bomber offense in a, in just a minute here, but I want to throw a couple of names at you, uh, and just your immediate reaction. You don't have to go on a huge soliloquy unless you want to. I don't know it's how your, not to. It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want, Doug. I'm just here to drive the bus a little bit here. Uh, I just want to mention Adam Big Hill. On our last podcast, we were concerned about Adam Big Hill, Andrew Harris, and Nick Dembski not being in the lineup. Only Dembski didn't dress. We
0: wanted two of three. Remember that, we said that's that? That's right. Yes. We
1: got two of three. Adam Big Hill responds with nine tackles. Talk about his influence and what he brings
0: to this defense if we haven't talked about it enough this season. Well, I just think it's not a coincidence that they're a much better blitzing, attacking, aggressive football team. I don't think that. That's just a fluke that he showed up and they're better at all these things. All of a sudden they got a freaking hit parade going on in the secondary, knocking people left, right, and center and they're blitzing better, they're more aggressive, they're attacking up front Um, guys are not running into each other, it's just everything, so many variables are improved you see the kind of impact he has uh, with his play and his numbers, but it's the trickle down effect of how he affects everybody around him they're lined up People's assignments are not missed anymore. You know, it's just uh, the defense is playing up to its potential and uh, fulfilling a lot of the expectations I think a lot of people had, and the coordinators had, and the coaches had, and the players had. It's all it's all clicking right now. Is that trusting one another and not trying to do somebody else's job, just being able to focus on your own job? I think it's a lot of it's leadership as well, right? I think it's a guy like uh, Adam Big Hill coming in and and setting the tone and the expectation, and then backing it up. Himself. Right? It's nothing rings hollower than a guy that comes in and tries to step up and be a leader and then he doesn't do it himself, kind of thing. You know, the guy, the rah rah guy in the speech, and we got to get after him. And then he gets beat bad for a touchdown, first play of the game, kind of thing. So uh, people don't like to see that. They want your leaders to be able to um, uh, really, really represent what they are trying to share with you. So that's uh, that's Adam Bigel in a in a thumbnail. Marcus Sales, guy who
1: was basically came into training camp and won himself a job.
0: Is he growing into that position? Is he becoming a leader on this defense? Uh, He's my favorite guy in the secondary right now. I was telling Bob during the broadcast, I was like, just watch him hit people. It's awesome. And uh, who do we have? I can't remember who we had on the, show, on the post-game show, but one of his uh, fellow uh, defensive teammates was like, yeah, he's like 150 pounds soaking wet, but he, is, he just throws himself around. He hits anything that moves back there. He's just tenacious. He's scrappy. He, he, he fights with guys back there. Uh, you saw Duke Williams uh, near the end of the game go up and make a highlight reel kind of grab even though the game was out of out of reach by then and then he kind of taunted the defensive backs and what happened the very next play you know uh Mike Riley kind of throws a hospital pass up to Williams and guess who sticks him same guy that Williams was taunting the previous play came and uh clean legal hit but he got extended and he he put his shoulder pad into his shoulder or, or whatever it was and uh I just love the way he throws himself around. I love how physical that secondary is getting. You look across the board, Brandon Alexander, he launches himself everywhere. You got Loeffler, who built his entire reputation and got into a, a starting scenario because he was a hitter. Uh, you got Sales now. You know, you got Fogg that played the best game of his life back there. So it's, uh, and and you got Randall, right? I mean, Randall can, he can uh, produce big hits against the run or in a passing scenario so that's uh you know that's the CFL's legion of boom right there these guys I think they're starting you know I think when you're a receiver and you watch you watch the game tape which you do of your upcoming opponent and you see the kind of shots that these guys are handing out you're just like you know I don't want to be. Receivers want to be on the highlight reels. They don't want to be on the highlight loop of a guy getting crushed on repeat, on, you know, over and over and over again. And uh, anytime you have a, a scenario where you have guys thinking twice about short arming a football what kind of effort they're going to go to go out and and catch this ball in traffic how much are they going to expose themselves to go down a lot of receivers do not like the excessive physical play and the violence and I think these guys in the secondary now as Chris Randall alluded to after the game he's like it's kind of a changing of the guard in our secondary he's like I don't necessarily want to hand the reins over but that's just kind of what's happening because these guys are making such an impact on the way uh, the secondary's playing and the kind of physicality these guys are bringing to the table is just something I haven't seen in, in the back end of a defensive uh, a dozen for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in quite some time. Okay, so you, you call one a, one a fluke. Two is uh, is a, is a, is a trend. Two is a coincidence.
1: Coincidence. Now, so now we need number three. We'll talk three about trend, yeah. what it's going to take to get that trend against Ottawa. But one more name for you. And You kind of touched on it, but can you elaborate just a little bit more on what Kevin Fogg has brought? He clearly was he was out of the lineup against Montreal last week. Uh, the Bombers managed to win without him. But there is a, a sort of I don't. Want, mm, I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to. There's a sort of swagger that goes with number three and the way that he plays the game.
0: So from right hash, here's Riley back to pass. Throws left side, intercepted! hand. the five touchdown Bull Bombers! Mike Riley tried to throw it
1: from the right hash to the far left sideline. And it was Kevin Fogg who stepped in and picked it off and took it all away. Off the field, he is one of the kindest individuals you ever want to meet. Are those the most dangerous defensive football players? These guys that play on defense that are really nice off the field, are they taking all their aggressions out on the other team
0: when they're on the field? Because I could say the same thing about Brandon Alexander. Well, those are the kind of guys that are successful because... They're happy off the field because they have so much joy doing. It. They love. They have so much passion, and they have so much enjoyment, so much fulfillment out of what they're doing on a daily basis playing uh professional football you know and they're so happy doing that it just spills over to the other you know guys that are angry and sullen and it's hard to be angry all the time especially off the field if you're accomplishing things you're doing a good job right you like why are you in a bad mood you know if you're an all-star and your defense just tells somebody three points why would you be so angry and upset but so that's a scenario i think uh that relates to fog he's uh uh, he's a great football player, and he's very versatile. He can do a lot of different things, and it all came together for him in that Edmonton game, obviously. Uh, his skill set, even uh, uh, the lateral he got from Loeffler, that was, uh, that was spectacular. We talked to him about that after the game. When Loeffler got that interception and he pitched it to you, had, had you been coaching him to do that throughout the season? Like, listen, give it to somebody that's faster than you. <laughs> Guys in the secondary always tell someone, you know, they especially tell the defensive linemen, the linebackers, you ever get an interception, give it to somebody that's faster than you. Did you know that Loeffler was going to hand that off to you? I didn't because we had a, a same situation earlier in the season. <laughs> and, he, and he didn't pitch it, did he? didn't pitch it. and So, so maybe um, he learned from the first First time. He learned, and it was his right hand, and so <laughs> I knew that he would uh, feel better trying to do it then. Um, but it's just a little plays like that, and when we're just playing together and we're on, that we have to continue just to stay just trusting each other um, just to do our job. As a defensive tackle, even though I wasn't getting a lot of fumbles, always guys in secondary and the linebackers would always come up to you, hey, just so you know, you would get your hands on a ball, You give it to somebody that can run faster than you. Okay, that's just something these guys coach in you early and often. Is there anybody yelling at you to throw you the ball or when it happens? Yes. uh, There's 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 so much excitement. Like literally, you want to hear grown huge men giggle you put a football on the ground and have one of your teammates go to pick it up and they get so excited. They start giggling. It is ridiculous. Like they're literally, (laughs) hee, hee, hee. Like they're so amped up because like if it's just rolling around too... And they know they're going to be able to carry it. That's They get so excited. That's why half the time they end up kicking it or they can't secure it or, or whatever, because it's just instant adrenaline. And it's a euphoric moment for a defensive player to see a, a loose ball on the ground. And so, you know, a lot of guys, you'll be screaming at them right next. Hey, man, you know, I got an open line down the sideline, and they won't even, you know, some guys just close. all they can see is the ball and everything else shuts down. So it's uh, it was very heads up and very not a lot of players have that kind of awareness in a, in a celebratory mode like that after you make a pick to think, you know to share that you know and and that's also something i think that was pretty cool about loffler is you know some guys you make a big play Mm -hmm. you don't want to share that spotlight with anybody else you you made the play you want to finish the play and that's a kind of selflessness that uh i think you see a lot on this defense he was like hey man I, I did my thing. Now I'm going to pitch this to somebody else that can take and, and get us twenty more yards than I can. And uh, it was uh, it was an awesome play. I think it was uh, showed a lot of awareness as, as well on the part of t- uh, Taylor DeLoeffler.
1: Well, why don't we talk about the difference between being seven and seven and six and eight? It's monumental, right, Doug? I mean, <laughs> yeah, especially with BC losing, right? Right, BC loses, and now you're, you've got
0: that- now you're tied with Edmonton. And you've got that final game of the season circled against Edmonton back up at Commonwealth, right? And Edmonton's banged up now. They've got some injury situations. And yeah, that's just it. I mean, you lose that game. It's a so you didn't get the two points, they got two points against you, they won the tiebreaker, you know, and uh and then it didn't matter what B C did because you lost as well, right? So right. then all of a sudden first, second and third are almost now you're, you're German, just fighting right? now you're just fighting for the crossover berth with, with B C which may or may not be a good thing. But yeah, that's the biggest thing about about um going to seven and seven and not being six and eight. It's the tiebreaker, it's a interdivisional western opponent and uh it's the fact now that you know now third place and who knows i mean obviously saskatchewan won so they're going to be they're going to be tough to catch but you still get them one more time and you have an opportunity to get ahead of, of edmonton as well so what's frustrating you about this blue Bomber too? <laughs> you know what it is man it's just you can't say anything definitive about them that's what's hard. Just when you about. think you've got them figured yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, and the funny thing is about who they're playing, they're playing the Ottawa Red Blacks this week, and I've been hearing, I've, I've been watching and, and and listening to a lot of people accounting for the, the Ottawa Red Blacks season as well, going pretty good in the Eastern Division. But people are saying the exact same thing about them. Like, they're either awesome, or you're like, what the hell happened here? Like you cannot, and that is frustrating. You know, I once had an accounting teacher, uh, Mr. Azzy, in uh, in the eleventh grade, and he said, he said, I don't care if you're a, a C student or an A student. He's like, just be what you are and be it on a regular, consistent, weekly basis. He's like, I, he literally told his students in, in the 11th grade, he's like, I can't stand some of you that get a perfect paper one week and get a C minus the next week. He's like, because you're erratic, you know, you're inconsistent. It's just, it's exhausting. And that's exactly what's happening with this football. You're just like, man, you know, you that four-game losing streak where everything that could go wrong was going wrong. It looked a little better against Montreal, and then boom, where'd this come from? Didn't see it. Nobody saw this coming. You knew they could be, they've always played Edmonton well, um, but nobody thought they were going to win by 27 in Edmonton. You're like, where did that come from? So it's hard to... Uh, These teams frustrate you, teams like Ottawa and Winnipeg, because it's hard to say anything conclusive about them without looking like an idiot, you know, (laughs) in under in under seven days. Right. They can make you look like the dumbest person ever. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if they know what they're going to do. I don't know if anyone knows what they're going to do, but, you know, so far it's gone. And that's the nature of being 7-7 and and a 500 football team is you're good half the time and the other half the time you're not so good. So there you go. That's uh, the frustration, bro. The enigma
1: wrapped in a riddle that are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Ottawa Red Blacks to a certain extent. We'll sort that out just a a moment from now. Matt Nichols, 16 of 20, 80% completion rate, but... 179 yards still under 200 yards passing. He threw an interception again and his longest completion late in the game fair enough, but you know you would like to put that exclamation mark on the end of a performance like that. And the Bombers were they were actually moving the ball when Nichols threw his interception. It was fairly deep in Edmonton territory. Once again his longest completion it was better against Montreal. He had several completions in, in you know over 15 or 20 yards. On Saturday, his longest completion, 29
0: yards. It was let down by Darvin Adams on one play, granted. But, like, what's the deal here? You know, it's interesting because you look at the stats and, like, rushing yards, Edmonton won. Uh, passing yards, Edmonton won. Net offense, Edmonton won. First downs, Edmonton one. All these offensive categories, and Edmonton scored three points, right? You're like, what? Yeah, obviously, the seven turnovers came into play. Um, the kind of opportunities the offense had, the kind of field position they had. So I'm talking block punt, right? I'm only talking, get a field goal out yeah, of that, right? I'm number of times they started at the fifty or closer due to turnovers, and so seven turnovers, right? You're getting the ball, and it's just like uh, that's what we were worried about going into the halftime. We're like, uh, they're only up by 14 or whatever here and they should already have 30 points kind of thing you know and that was the concern obviously you know the defense just kept rolling and rolling and didn't uh, didn't take their foot off the gas pedal whatsoever in this game so that's why they won but you know you got to think I mean this is a scary football team if their offense starts playing uh, up to the uh, the expectation or, or what we think they're capable of doing, what we've seen them do before earlier in the year. Um, if they can play like that and, and the defense can pair that with the level of excellence that they're displaying right now, this is a whale of a scary football team uh, going uh, down the stretch here and into the playoffs. But as of right now, I mean, offensively, I tell you right now, you're, you're playing defense against these guys. It's like, okay, let's just take Andrew Harris out of the game. Mm-hmm. And this passing attack is not going to beat us, right? If you're a team playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you have to do two things. Take Andrew Harris out of the game, and you got to not turn over the ball. If you can accomplish those things, you have a great chance of beating this football team because their, their aerial attack, their passing attack, granted, situationally, it wasn't needed to beat Edmonton for them to throw for 400 yards, but that's just, I mean, you look at their passing yard totals and who scares you in that, in that passing attack right now? The scary thing or
1: the crazy thing about this conversation we're having within the conversation is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they have played one more game than the Calgary Stampeders, still lead the league in points Points. scored. And it's absolutely bizarre. It just tells you how many points they scored earlier in the season. And I was going to go through uh, their scoring plays and... And really figure out how many points this defense has actually given up. They've given up 333 points as a team, but you know, so many of those points are a direct result of Blue Bomber turnovers, which hasn't been the case in the past. Not necessarily pick sixes, but you know, you go back to that Saskatchewan game, the Banjo Bowl, and the and the Saskatchewan ends up on the one yard line following an interception. And I'm going to be doing that over the next week. Just trying to give the Blue Bomber defense a little bit more credit for, for what they've accomplished to this point because there are a lot of people look at the yardage totals. I like to look at points surrendered and they're doing really well on that front. Or average per play. That's a big, big one for defenses. What you surrender per and, they, and they've per chopped play. that down yeah. by, by a great amount uh, based on the comparisons over the last couple of years. Okay, last one. We obviously need to look ahead and talk about the Ottawa Red Blacks. You touched on it a little bit. They are similar to the Blue Bombers in the fact... Their they're alert
0: switch. They're on or right. they're off. And There's we no saw win. them
1: on when Trevor Harris lit up the same Blue Bomber defense I was just trying to stand up for here just a little bit ago. The Ottawa Red Blacks came into Winnipeg earlier this summer and lit up the Blue Bombers all over the field right. in the first half. In the second half, it was absolutely relentless and that was the beginning of the, of the four-game slide for the Blue Bombers. So what are the Bombers need to do obviously a little bit more of the same on defense and turn it around but is, is is there a key to
0: stopping Trevor Harris yeah I mean it's it's figuring out what makes him either great or late I guess because uh, he's one or the other right he's either on and uh, I'm wondering is if I mean, we'll find out right now after this matchup if is this just how they you know compare to them is this a matchup problem for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers mm-hmm. playing the Ottawa Red Blacks or not so um, The Red Blacks did that to the Bombers. That was the worst game. That was the the biggest smackdown, beatdown that this football team has uh, incurred this season.
1: And it was on a a night when they had an opportunity to make a real statement. To separate. We thought that was going to be the night the Blue Bombers were going to separate themselves from all the other also-rans in the CFL and join Calgary as the two elite teams in the the country. Well, the exact opposite has happened in the
0: last six games since they got together. Is Trevor Harris a, a rhythm guy, Doug? Yeah. I mean, like I said, what they did, that was an eye-opener for us. We were watching that game. We are like, I didn't know this could happen. I didn't know they were capable of doing this defensively. I didn't know that Trevor Harris was a guy. Like, he was he was amazing. He looked like a most outstanding player He looked like Tom Brady, let's game. be honest. So, so they're obviously going to have the confidence. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, Trevor Harris, just an inconsistent player, Um that yeah you got to think once he feels like he's in the zone and once he has some momentum then he's a terror out there on the football field so it's going to be the I think the key in this game will be the bomber defense showing up early and often and not letting him get in a rhythm and being as disruptive as possible um, from the get-go against this guy because it seems like once he gets that momentum he just can't be stopped. You know, once he gets that feel and his offense and things are flowing and he's in the zone then uh, then they're really, really difficult to to uh to play against and uh hopefully the bombers can exact a form of revenge like how ottawa did when they came here hopefully winnipeg can go back there they should certainly be angry enough watching the film from that game uh saying hey we're a different team now let's turn the page we owe these guys one whereas the red blacks can be watching that film going, uh you know licking their chops
1: Blue Bombers traveled essentially through the night. Uh, Late Saturday night, came home very early on Sunday morning. And then, of course, they have their travel day on their way to Ottawa. It's a short week to begin with, even if you were playing both games at home. It's six days in between, but you've got two travel days that's a tough a, one. Is it a tough one? Uh, but it, based on the fact that you're coming off a big win, maybe you don't mind the fact that you, that you're getting right back out on the field. Is it easier to carry that momentum out onto
0: the field in a short week? I'm asking you because I haven't got a clue. Well, mentally, I think uh, there are some advantages for obviously what you did to Edmonton. That's a huge morale boost for your football team. And you want to talk about having confidence and having, you know, some positive framing. In terms of what you've just done and and what you did in Edmonton, and obviously you're you're uh, you understand your ability now to go on the road and go into people's houses and, like I say, drag mud in there, throw your jacket on the floor, spend too much time in the master bathroom, whatever. Ask them to make you a sandwich. These are all the things. Make your own
1: damn sandwich. These is what are they what they did. they
0: did going into the Edmonton Eskimo house, so they know they're capable of doing that with Ottawa. But physically, that's a it, it's uh, it's something very noticeable. Travel. You're like what getting. A on an airplane, you know, when you're a highly tuned athlete like these guys are, you notice it in your legs, you notice it in your recovery from the previous game, you're in unfamiliar surroundings, you don't sleep the same way, you don't have the same training uh, allowances, you don't have the same time, you don't have another day, so all these things stack up and uh, this is a huge test for them. Uh, a team that matched up very well against them, that really dominated them, short week on the road again. Three different times. A time zones against a monster uh, opponent for them this is uh this is a big test mentally they'll be ready physically whether they can cash that check we'll find out one's a fluke two's uh coincidence three's a uh three's the start of a trend and then fourth is becomes your part of your identity we're looking for a
1: trend to continue as the bombers head to uh what used to be known as lansdowne park they call it td place now places aren't those usually reserved for arenas and not football stadiums anyway doesn't matter thanks for taking some time with us on the blue bomber podcast download share like rate we want it all thanks so much for your time and we'll see you in about seven days time the blue bomber podcast with doug brown
0: that is wow that's fantastic i like that make sure to subscribe to the podcast in itunes or at cjob.com